Let me ask you a question um, today. Has there ever been a time in your life in which when you looked back on it, you were so dependent upon the Lord telling you what his will was that if he didn't tell you what to do, you were going to be lost? Can you think back to a time like that? Maybe it was if you went to college, choosing which college you were going to go to, and you had choices, and you thought, I don't know where I'm supposed to go. Lord, I need you to show me what is your will for my life. Maybe it's choosing a job. Maybe you have a job, and you have another job offer, and you're praying about, God, I need you to give me what is your specific will. Do I take this job, or do I stay where I am? Maybe it's a certain city that you're going to live in. Am I supposed to stay here, or Lord, where is it I'm supposed to live? Chances are there's been a time in your life in which you look back and you said, God, I don't know what your will is for my life. I'm not sure that there's a question that I've been asked more than this question, and that is how can I know God's will for my life? How can I know that I'm following what the Lord has called me to do? And friends, most people, when they ask that question, they're asking with a sincere heart. They don't want to just flippantly make a choice or make a decision without faithfully seeking the Lord and knowing that they are doing what the Lord wills, what the Lord desires for them to be doing. See, at the heart of our Christian faith is that there is a God who communicates with his creation. Some of our founding fathers believed that when God created the world, he created the world, he had creation, and then he removed his hands from the world. That he just set the world in motion and everything else is left up to choice. But that's not we believe as Christians, as men and women who read and understand and study the Bible. We believe that God, even today, communicates with his creation, right? We believe that God is involved with what is happening in the world. After all, that's what we just celebrated this last few days in celebrating Christmas was that God came down in human form because he loved us, because he wanted to be involved with his creation. See, friends, the truth is God is always speaking. God is always active God is always vocal. But let's be honest here for a second. One of the things that I can't stand is when we come to church, and I've talked about this before, you feel like you've got to wear a mask and act like you're super spiritual and you got all the answers and no one saw the fight you had last night with your spouse. No one saw the fight you had with your kids trying to get them dressed to come. Okay, let's just take that off. Let's be honest. Is that okay? We all feel better now. At least I do. Um, okay, so, so here, here's what happens. As followers of Jesus... We love Jesus, we study his word, we come to church, we're doing all the right things, but sometimes we still struggle to hear from God. We still struggle to know, God, I think I'm doing the right things, I'm not living in opposition to your word, I'm trying to do the right things, but sometimes I just cannot hear you clearly. Why is it that if we have a pure heart, Why is it that if we're approaching God with pure motives that sometimes it's difficult for us, even as followers of Jesus, to hear clearly from him? I want to spend just a few moments this morning looking at four reasons why I think as Christians, sometimes we don't hear from God clearly. 
Now understand, what I'm about to share with you, these four reasons, there's many more than four, okay? But I'm just sticking to four because we want to be out by lunch, I know. Um, And I also want you to know that these four reasons I'm about to share with you, I am talking exclusively to those of us who are followers of Jesus. I'm not talking to those who are seekers. I'm not talking to those who are questioning. But for those who are followers of Jesus, here are four reasons why we struggle sometimes to hear from God. Once I get through these four reasons, I'm going to end by going through an exercise that I want to be careful here. I don't want to be accused of plagiarism. I did not come up with this exercise I'm going to share with you. One of my favorite pastors and favorite bloggers is a guy by the name of Kevin Thompson. You may remember him. He's been here twice before. Um, He did two marriage conferences, and he wrote a blog three years ago that I've held on to, and it's an exercise that I think will help us as we're going through the process of how do we determine God's will. But first, let's look at four reasons I believe sometimes we don't hear from God. Number one, the first reason I don't think we hear from God sometimes is because we want God to show us not tell us. We want God to show us his will, but we don't want him to tell us. What do I mean by that? We all want, again, as followers of Jesus, we want him to communicate to us. We want to know what he wants. We want him to speak, and we want to understand what he's telling us to do, right? That's that's not really controversial. But sometimes, if we're honest, Our true, sincere desire is that he simply would show us what to do. God, just give me a clear sign. Just point me in the right direction, and then I'll know what to do. But just show me. Don't tell me what you want me to do. Well, what's the difference? Why is it that we don't sometimes want God to tell us? Because if God tells us, it means that we must be what? Actively listening. It means that there's a part of it that it's dependent upon what we do. It means that we must not only be actively listening. How do we actively listen? We listen by reading and studying his word. We listen by spending time in prayer. We listen by getting to know him better and better. Sometimes we just want God to show us. God, make it clear and don't require anything of me. Just make it what? Simple. Give me the microwave solution, then I'll know what you want me to do. The second reason I think sometimes we don't hear clearly from God is that we are more focused on the result than the relationship. We're more focused on the result than the relationship. Sometimes Christians ignore God's voice. Let's be honest. Sometimes they don't even seek God's voice until when? Until a crisis happens. Until there's a trial, until there's a tragedy, until something happens, and then we quickly storm the gates of heaven and we say, God, I need an answer. Show me what you want me to do. Tell me what your will is, because all we want is a quick fix. Give me a quick word. Help me get through this problem that I'm in. How many times have you heard people, sometimes jokingly, sometimes not, say, well, I'm going to play what I call Bible roulette. I don't know what God wants me to do, so I'm just going to open my Bible and I'm going to point to a verse and that's what God wants me to do. Friends, that's not the way we discover what God's will is for our life. Hear me on this. God cares more about our relationship with him than he does with us achieving or obtaining a certain result in the end. Let me put it another way. 
While you and I, we are more concerned with what God wants us to do, God is far more concerned with us understanding who he is. Many times, when we understand who he is, we understand the character of God, we understand the nature of God, then we will understand more clearly what it is he wants us to do. But think about it. If God is constantly revealing, as he did all throughout Scripture, as he did with the disciples, he's constantly revealing who he is to you and me, but if we're always looking for what he wants us to do, then we can, it makes sense sometimes while we're not understanding there's a cross-communication, right? When Jesus left this earth, he gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what he said in John 14. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So when Jesus left this earth, he gave us the gift of himself through the person of the Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit do? He teaches us. He leads us. He guides us. He equips us. He is the answer. He is what we should be longing for. We should be longing to get to know Jesus more, and we can know him more through the person of the Holy Spirit, more than we desire what we can get from him and the result that we are looking for. Reason number three, we are more focused on ourselves than on him. Sometimes I don't think that we can hear from God clearly because we're so focused on ourselves instead of focusing on God. Now, he hear me clearly on this. God loves you, God loves me with an unbelievable type of love, an unfathomable love. That was the point of last week's sermon. Isaiah 53.10, it says that God loved us so much that he was even willing to do what? To crush his only son. But while God loves us with an unbelievable love, hear me on this, we are not the center of God's universe. The world does not revolve around you and me. We aren't even the center of the Bible. Jesus is. This book was written as a revelation of who he is so that we could get to know him better. But so many times we read the Bible and we read the stories and we read the events of Scripture and we look at our circumstances and we think, all of this was written just for my life. All of this was written so that he could give me the answers that I'm looking for. But church family, when we seek him, we need to seek the Lord for who he is, not just for what he can do for us, not for just how we can benefit from having this relationship with him. We are to seek him with a pure heart. We're to seek him with pure motives. And then, I believe we will be able to hear from him more clearly. And the fourth and final reason I think sometimes we can't hear clearly from God is that we are more focused on our circumstances than on God's word. We're more focused on what's going on in our life instead of focusing on the eternal holy truths that are revealed to us through Scripture. Yes, God does speak to us through our circumstances. 
Yes, God does speak to us through other believers. And that's a gift that he has given us, that he speaks to us through what we're going through. He speaks to us through godly wisdom. However, the most certain way that God speaks to us is through his what? Word. God, listen to me, God will never, say it again, God will never tell you to do something that is contrary to what his word says. The psalmist puts it this way. He says, your word, notice the, the, what he's saying there, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, not your circumstances, not other people. His word is what leads us. His word is what guides us. His word is the plumb line to which we set our lives, we make our decisions based upon what his word says. I don't care how strongly you feel about something. I don't care how the stars align. I don't care how many people are encouraging you to do something. I don't care if your heart or your emotions say, if it feels good, do it. Friends, if it's not, if it's contrary to God's word, then it is not something God is telling you to do. Plain and simple. But here's the problem. The problem today, I believe, is that so many Christians, we don't study God's word. We don't read God's word enough to know what God's word says so that when we're faced with a problem, we're faced with a crisis of belief of what we're supposed to do because we haven't studied it for the lack of a period of time that we don't know whether the decision that we're going to make aligns with the truths found in God's word or not. Before I go any further, I want you to hear me on this. The most surefire way to hear from God The most surefire way to know if you are making a decision that will honor the Lord is by making it a habit, making it a routine of spending time in the Bible. It's not just something that's old school. It's something that will radically change our lives if we will make it a habit of spending time in God's Word. That's why we've made a focus the last several years of of a Bible reading plan. This year, we just finished reading through the New Testament together. Um, Beginning in, uh, was it Wednesday the 1st? Is that right? On on the 1st, we're starting a two-year Bible reading plan. If you haven't picked up a copy, there's several copies still in the um, coffee bar area. And I emailed that, and we'll have that on the website as well. But want you to get in the habit of reading God's Word on a daily basis. And by the way, We don't just study God's word alone. That's the value of our small groups on Sunday mornings. The value is that we don't read God's word apart from the community of other believers. That's why we study God's word at 915. We're not going to study a popular Christian author. We're not going to study a topic. We're going to study the word of God. That's why on Sunday mornings at 1030, I'm faithfully preaching from the Word of God, not just how to have a happy marriage, how to have a happy life, how to get more money, because there is power in the living, holy Word of God. This is how we find our instructions and our strength is from God's Word. Now, there are other things that we can use to help us grow in our walk. There's some incredible commentaries. You know, one of the things that I shared with you last week, there's a small little book that sometimes you get to a passage and you're not sure what it means, that you can go to a commentary from a faithful Bible teacher that will help you understand the context and what exactly is going on. There's some great devotionals that we can use. 
You know, a couple of my favorite, you know, there's Morning and Evening by Charles Spurgeon. There's My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. One of the more contemporary ones is New Morning Mercies by Paul Tripp. There's all kinds of podcasts of sermons that you can listen to. But listen to me. Don't let a devotion or a commentary or a podcast um, replace spending time in God's Word. There is no substitute for reading God's Word itself. So let me say it again. God is always speaking to us. The question is, are we listening? So while many times we don't hear from God, but we don't hear his voice clearly because of the four reasons I just shared, again, let's be honest here, okay? There are times in our life which we are doing those things. We are seeking a relationship. We are trying to um, please him, not just get to a certain result. But there's still certain decisions that aren't just black and white. There's not a clear-cut decision whether we know this is exactly what God wants me to do or what he doesn't want me to do. I think in some instances, God does give us what we call free will. He gives us a choice in making certain decisions, and sometimes those decisions, our life doesn't hinge upon that decision like sometimes we think it does, right? For instance, I don't think God has a specific will as far as where you go eat lunch after this, all right? I think God's given you some freedom. I don't think that in God has written down, this is exactly where you're supposed to go. You're to buy your toiletries from Target or Walmart, okay? I think he gives us some freedom in making some of these choices. So while occasionally, as we read God's word, we can know clearly this is what he wants me to do, this is what I should do, this is where I should go, in some instances, just being honest with you, I don't think there is a clear-cut black and white, this is what he wants you to do. So, in our remaining few moments together, I want to spend some time answering that question of what do we do when the decision is not black and white? What do we do when we're not sure exactly what God wants us to do? Because I think that even Christians make a very serious mistake when they're living in that gray area. The mistake I think that we make is that we assume that getting the right answer, that that is the absolute most important thing. That the right answer is more important than anything else. We think that the outcome is more important than the process that we're going through. And no, Nick Saban did not tell me to to say that, all right? I just think that sometimes we think that we, we just want to get to the result and not live and experience the process. So I want you to consider this simple diagram. And I hope this diagram is going to help you follow along as I try to explain um, how we can discern, maybe go through an exercise of what God wants us to do. The horizontal line, you're going to see the x-axis, it goes from right to wrong. This includes where the Bible speaks clearly, but also those hypothetical um, situations or scenarios which we're not sure if there really is a right or wrong answer. Let me give you an example for the right or wrong. Does God call us to forgive someone that offends us? Absolutely. There's no question about it. We are called to forgive. Is God going to call you to get a specific kind of car and the color car and all the features that you're going to get? Some would say yes. I would say, man, he's probably giving you some freedom on that, okay? 
So that includes that. Now the vertical line, the y-axis, it illustrates faithfulness. What do I mean by faithfulness? I'm referring to how faithful a person is in attempting to hear from God and understand his purpose for our lives. More specifically, how involved are we in prayer? How involved are we in seeking God's word? How involved are we in in going and talking to other uh, Bible-believing Christians that we know and that we value? So according to this very low budget and almost crude diagram, um, let me share with you uh, these four possible options that we have. In quadrant one, you have what's called faithfully right. What do I mean by faithfully right? That means in this quadrant, someone has faithfully discovered God's plan. How do they do it? By prayer, by Bible study, and they have chosen to follow his will. Quadrant two, faithfully wrong. In this quadrant, someone has faithfully attempted to know God's will. They've prayed, they've read God's word, they've talked to other believers, but somehow they missed what God wanted them to do. Despite their best attempts, they made a bad decision. Okay, quadrant three, unfaithfully right. Now in this instance, someone has simply um, lucked their way into discovering God's will. They didn't pray about it. They didn't read God's word. They didn't go see other people, but somehow they drifted towards the right answer. And the fourth quadrant, the last one, is unfaithfully wrong. Now in this quadrant, someone didn't seek God's will. They didn't pray about it. They didn't read the Bible. They didn't do anything, and and they didn't even attempt to please God. And as a result, they have chosen a result that is opposite to what God would will for their life. All right, here's a test. You ready? If your neighbor's asleep, elbow, all right? And start off easy. What is the one quadrant that as followers of Jesus, we desire the most to find ourselves in? Say it out loud. Number one, right? We want to be faithfully right. We want to constantly be seeking the Lord, trying to discover what he wants, and then we want to make the right decision. Okay, here's another easy one. Which quadrant is it that we want as Christians to always avoid? Four, right? We don't want to be unfaithfully wrong. We don't want to make the wrong decision. And during the process, we don't want to say that we've never even sought the Lord, never read his word or trying to find out where we're going to go. But here's here's where it gets tricky. Out of those remaining two quadrants, faithfully wrong and unfaithfully right, if you had to choose one of them, Don't answer this out loud, all right? Which one would you choose? Would you choose to be faithfully wrong or would you choose to be unfaithfully right? I have a feeling that some Christians would choose quadrant three, unfaithfully right. They believe that it's best to be unfaithful and right. Why? Because being right is the most important. Doesn't necessarily matter how you get there, just be right. But I would say that if you had to choose between two of them, that the best option actually would be quadrant two, faithfully wrong. Now why? Why would I say that? Because as a follower of Jesus, 
It is better to have sought the Lord. It is better to have spent time praying and reading his word and then to have actually made a wrong decision than to have never acknowledged him and just drifting into the right choice. Let me give you, in the last five minutes here, three reasons why I think this to be true. And then we're going to sing a song. We're going to go home and don't, we need black eyed peas or something. I don't eat those for New Year's Eve, but I'll let y'all eat my portion for me. What else is it? Black eyed peas and ham or something? Is that what it is? All right. Y'all aren't eating that either, are you? You can just get a nugget bowl from Chick-fil-A and we'll all be fine. All right. My goal here is to leave you with something practical as you leave into 2020, something that you can hold on to. So here's, here, here's why I think it's better that we would be um, in that quadrant where we'd be faithfully wrong. Number one, it's that God desires a relationship. I know I'm being repetitive. I just said that earlier, but I'm trying to make the point here that God desires a relationship with you more than he desires for you just to seek him and to get the right result. Hosea 6, 6, for I desire, listen, steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. God ultimately wants a relationship with you. He would rather have a close relationship with you and you miss the mark on several opportunities rather than you to make good choices without deepening your relationship with him. He wants you to be transformed into his likeness. He wants our hearts to become more and more like him, more than he desires for us to have the right answers. Number two, Creating healthy routines. 60% of Americans on Tuesday, if not before, will make a New Year's resolution. You know what percentage will actually complete those? Less than 8% of individuals will fulfill their New Year's resolution. That means 92% of Americans will fail at reaching their New Year's resolution. Church, as followers of Jesus, we don't need another resolution What we need are healthy habits. We need healthy routines that are healthy and that are repeatable. I believe the best decision that we can make as individuals who follow Jesus is that in 2020, we are going to be intentional about deepening our relationship with Jesus. That's why we've got the two-year Bible reading plan. Yesterday, Jill Palmer posted something on Facebook that was incredible. It's an app that you can listen to on a podcast, walk through the Bible, an incredible organization that in 12 to 15 minutes, they're going to read several chapters of the Bible to you and then give you a two to three minute devotion. I don't care what you do. Just get in God's word on a regular basis. Make prayer a habit. Maybe you're going to start a prayer journal. Be intentional about how you're going to grow in your walk with the Lord. You know, if you're married... The longer you're married, the more they say you can start to read that person's mind. Is that true? You start to know what they think, you know what they want, you know what they don't want. Why? Because you've spent time with them, because you've had shared experiences together. The same is true in our walk with the Lord. The more time we spend with him, the more clearly we are going to know what he wants. But the opposite is true as well, what he doesn't want from us. Faithfully seek the Lord, and I promise it will become easier to know what he wants and what he doesn't want from you. And finally, the last thing is that being unfaithfully right is still wrong. 
Let me be honest with you. And in God's eyes, for the follower of Jesus, there is no such thing as being unfaithfully right. Why? Because of number one. Because from God's perspective, the heart is more important than the action. And when the heart is right, you know this from the relationships that you're in, when the heart is coming from a pure heart, the right actions are more prone to follow. There's no such thing as just drifting into God's will. Why? Because God's will is ultimately that you would be transformed into his image. Paul said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So what is God's will for my life? It's a question that if you haven't asked already, you're going to ask. And kudos to you for seeking the Lord, for trying to align your life with him. But in seeking him, remember, sometimes that answer is not going to be clear cut. Remember, here, I want you to forget this. Your ultimate desire many times is for God to give you the solution from how to get from point A to point B. But God has a different desire. God's, God's ultimate desire is not the action, but instead his ultimate desire is that we would seek him, that we would deepen our relationship with him while we're going through that dilemma, that crisis, trying to figure out what he wants us to do. Aren't you thankful for a God that desires a relationship? Not just a dictator, not just someone that's telling you that here's what I want you to do, but he desires for us to get to know him better. And friends, that is an incredible privilege that we have through the gift of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Telling Father, we thank you so much for the gift of salvation, the gift that we have been given, not because of what we do, but because of what Jesus has done for us. And Lord, I pray that as we move into a new year, a time where many of us look to new beginnings, that we would be intentional about using this new year, this fresh start, to focus on things that will make an eternal difference, that we will value spending time in your word, that we will value spending time not just talking but listening through prayer, that we will value serving you and your kingdom. Lord, I pray that we would be a church that honors you in all that we say and all that we do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.